Welcome to Freeman on Real Estate, the podcast about the hard facts behind what's going on in real estate. Realtor Mike Freeman of Coldwell Banker, who holds an MBA in finance, draws from his financial background and deep network to bring the most value for anyone looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, Freeman on Real Estate. This is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network, but more importantly, alongside me, Mike Freeman, realtor extraordinaire. And this is the, this is technically the fourth episode of your podcast. This is like, we're really getting serious about it now, right, Mike? Yeah, that's really <laughs> the difference. Absolutely. Well, I got some good feedback from the first three episodes, and I hope you did as well. Yeah, I did. I shared on social media, and I had a bunch of people who watched the whole thing, listened to the whole thing, and gave me some really good feedback. Excellent. So on this podcast, we talk about all things real estate and Mike offers his advice. Today, we're going to focus on buyers and we're going to talk about, I guess, two things, Mike. We're going to talk about elements of a transaction that can go awry, which I know I'm going to want to hear about because uh, I'm not in the market right now, but you never know. And then after that, we'll talk about particular terms of a deal where you provide your negotiation skills. There's more to meets the eye than just the sale price, I think is what you were saying before yeah. we started recording. Yeah, the, yeah. So you have a story to tell. Let's start off with an example of a deal that maybe had some issues or? So I have buyers who were relocating from Colorado and it was a referral from someone I know out there and they were looking on the North Shore. They wanted to work with me and you know, I've been in this area pretty much my whole life. So although I don't know the North Shore as well, I thought they'd be good clients to take on. We're both Sharon guys and the, the North Shore is like a mystery to us. It's you get up there and Route 128 isn't 95 anymore. It's it's really confusing. But anyway. Yeah, no, no, it is. And so, you know, this is where we can add a lot of value because you study, you learn, you look at the comps. And you quickly find out what is available for a certain price in one town versus another. And it may be completely different between two towns up there. It is probably going to be different from what's available down here. But if you know the general Boston area, you can learn about these towns. For these folks, like I said, they're coming back from Colorado. And it's a first purchase in this area. And they definitely needed a lot of help, which is what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. And so... We went out and saw a lot of houses. So this is in the spring, and you'll probably recall that in the spring, much more so than now, houses were going in three days. They were getting 10 or 20 offers, everything way above asking price, and it was a tough time. And I told them up front that this is unfortunately what you're facing right now. If you want to buy a house now, this is what the market is. This is the situation. But for their situation, it made sense to buy because... I, I'm always against timing the market. Mm. I think you should buy or sell based on your own personal situation. And for them, they moved back from Colorado. They're living with their parents. They wanted to get out of there. They had a little baby. And so the market was the market. Right. So what happened is we went out and saw a lot of houses. We'd go out every weekend. I set them up with a search. And they get matches, and I would get matches. And I would go through them and point out some things that I thought would be good for them. They also were kind of do-it-yourselfers, so they liked looking on their own as well, and saying, hey, Mike, we want to see this one, we want to see that one. And that gave me the time to prepare and look at comparable houses in whatever area they were looking at. So what happened to them, unfortunately, is that when we really got down to the end, where we are going out for months, but at the very end, they, they found a house that they liked, 
and they bid 80,000 above asking. Wow. Now, why did they do that? Well, they didn't get it, so it wasn't oh. enough. <laughs> so, so somehow, was it, was it you that knew that it was going to go for above asking, or it was just... So it was me who said, like, I'll look at a house, and I'll do, I'll do this in any market. I'll look, how long has it been on the market? What's the price? What have comps gone for? And I'll give someone advice, and I may say, I can tell that this is going to go for well above asking and recommend that. So in this particular case, that's that's what happened. Mm, yeah. But I probably said that you should go forty or fifty thousand mm -hmm. over. But they were not desperate. I don't like <laughs> to use that word, but they were definitely motivated. Yes, motivated yeah. is a yeah. better word. Yeah. So they did eighty. They waived the inspection, mm. which is always dangerous. And mm. I tell people that, unfortunately, at that time, this is what a lot of people were doing, and it could make the difference if a seller is going to accept your offer. I laid it out for them. There are, the, there are different options, not just waiving an inspection, but we'll get into this in a few minutes when I talk about terms. Mm -hmm. There are different options with inspections. So in their particular case, they waive the inspection. They didn't get the house. Mm. Next weekend we go out. They saw another house that they loved. They go 90000 above oh asking. God. Didn't get it. Oh, my goodness. We go out the third weekend. They saw a house that they loved. They bid 110000 above asking. They waived the inspection. They also agreed to do a rent back for free mm. to the sellers, which used to be unheard of, but was not at this time. What does that exactly mean? So, yeah. by the way, they got the house. Okay, so there is a happy ending to yeah. the story, yes. What it means is that, say we're dealing with right now, it's, let's say, January 5th. Mm -hmm. And let's say you wanted to close on March 1st and the seller said, I really need some more time. I want to stay in the house longer. Oh, okay. So they, Rent the sellers from. end up renting for a period of time before exactly. they move in. So my buyers, in order to get the house, had to go 110000 over. They had to waive the inspection. They did an inspection, but they couldn't negotiate off of it. It was for mm -hmm. informational purposes only. So technically they didn't waive their right to do it, they waive their right to negotiate. And the third thing that they did, I mean, they did a lot of things, but mm. the third major thing they did was to not only to do a rent back, but a rent back for free to the sellers. Oh, Basically, you can stay for a couple more months for free, he, yeah. even though it's our, we own the house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's wow. what they had to do to get the house. Yikes. If they didn't do all three of those things, we would have been out another weekend. <laughs> I mean, you could argue that's a problem, right? But they got the house. But here's where it became a problem. So they said to me, as they're going through the mortgage process, they said, Mike, do you think we're crazy for going to this price, 110000 above ask? And I said, I don't think you're crazy, but I think the market's crazy. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is what you're facing. So... Then we talked about that the appraisal is really important because this wasn't a 100% cash deal. They had a mortgage. They're putting 20% down. And I said, we have to think about what happens if this appraisal doesn't come in. And I said to them, in my whole career, it's never happened. It's going to happen. <laughs> I hope it's not to you. Yeah. It happened to them. The appraisal came in and low. Oh, okay. very low. Now, at this point, there's nothing they can do about that other than bum out that they overpaid for the house. Is that right? Or so what I did, and not every realtor does this, but I had recommended that they work with a certain mortgage broker, a guy that I've given a lot of deals to and work with closely because he's excellent at what he does. I called him. I looked at the comps, and I didn't agree with them. Mm. I agreed with, I think, two, but the other two didn't make sense. Mm. So I called him, and I said, Paul, this does not make sense to me. 
these are not the right comps. I, I understand if, if the appraisal doesn't come in, but at least have the right comps because appraisers do the same thing we do as realtors. Mm. They look at the comps and it's a little more scientific. Okay, a garage is worth this amount. This has a garage, this one doesn't. So it's a little more scientific. So there's market value, which right. is what you're willing to pay for a house as a buyer and what the seller agrees to. There's assessed value, which is what the town says it's worth and what you pay taxes off of. Then there's the appraised value, which is what an appraiser says it's worth. So all three of those can be different. Wow. You hope the appraised value and the market value are the same or that the appraised value is higher the bank who they're doing the appraisal for the bank hires them they're an independent appraiser they don't work for the bank but they're responsible for coming up with an honest appraisal and they, they don't work for the bank not for the buyer not for the seller and if they think it's way off which they did in this case they say this is what it's worth you shouldn't give the loan that's what they say to the bank you shouldn't give the loan so if the house is 750 and they say the house is worth 700 they say based on what the loan value is you shouldn't give a loan for, for a certain amount because I appraised the house at 50 or 100,000 less. So there's three things that can happen at this point. And this is what I said to the buyer. I said, one is that the deal falls apart. One is that you come up with more cash so that the bank is comfortable that they'll give a mortgage for a certain amount. You make up the difference. Mm. The third thing is that you say to the seller, Unfortunately, the appraisal didn't come in. I can't afford this higher amount. I need to negotiate a lower price. Mm. And this is where the seller is either going to say, I'll mm. go to the next buyer and the deal falls apart or they meet your price or you negotiate. Right. Everything's negotiable in, in real estate. And when an appraisal doesn't come in, usually there ends up being a negotiation. And this is where I feel like we add a lot of value regardless of which side I'm on and can tell people, what our advice is on, on what they should do. So getting back to the story, what these people did is they came up with additional cash because what I said to them is if you go back to a seller and ask for 50,000 off or even 20,000 off, they're not going to do it. Mm. You went 110 over asking someone else probably did a hundred. They'll just move on. It's been three days since the offers, who knows how many were made 10 or more. They're just going to move on. So what I advise them is either come up with the additional cash between what the bank would loan them, the amount of the loan would be based on what the bank was comfortable with and the purchase price or move on. So they decided to try to get the additional cash. I don't know what they did specifically. I don't know if they liquidated retirement funds, mm -hmm. which you obviously know is not, not ideal. Yeah. Or, you know, one thing is you can borrow from parents or somebody mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's different options and I, you know, I laid them out for them and I don't know how they got the money. Usually I don't want to know, right? <laughs> but I tell them this is, so that's what they did. They got some extra money. The loan came in at what it came in at. They made up the difference and moved forward. But, you know, now I can tell people the story where the appraisal didn't come in as opposed to saying to people, I've never had this and hopefully I'm going right. to have it, but hopefully it's not you. Right. Yeah. Isn't it a lesson in that there's not a single answer to how much uh, a home is worth? There's not a single answer to how much you should pay for it. You could argue, well, it is by definition because that's what it was worth to them. And thanks to you, they're, they're homeowners. It comes down to every transaction is how much is a buyer willing to pay? How much is a seller willing to accept? And that's the market value. And people always say in advance, well, the house isn't worth this. 
Well, it might be. Yeah. Let's wait and see. Yeah. And the final market value of that house, regardless of what the comps say, is what that buyer and that seller agree to. Yeah. That's the market value. You'll appreciate a, a sports analogy. You know, you say sometimes, if you know, there's one really great closer on the free agent market, and then the second best closer is way worse, and you sign them to a free agent deal, and people say, oh, you're way overpaid for the guy. And it's like, well, we might have overpaid based on somebody's notion of his value, but if we didn't pay that much, we weren't going to get him, and the Yankees were going to get him. And, and 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 would you have been happy if we passed? And it's kind of the same thing. You know, your clients could have walked away saying it's, it's not worth this, but it seems like everybody has to stretch when they buy. That's an excellent example, and not to get into the details of what happened with Raphael Devers too much. <laughs> and so right. I could, if I were them, they got a kid and everything, I'd, I'd be pretty happy to be homeowners, even if I had to stretch. And as Red Sox fans, we're happy that at least we get to keep Devers. At least we get at least we get one. <laughs> yeah. But you know what ends up happening sometimes is buyers regret. It's common in everything. Mm. I just bought a really expensive suit for my son for a bar mitzvah, <laughs> and I have buyers regret because we paid, and I, and I said to the guy, "How much is this?" Mm. So yeah. imagine what it's like for a house. And right. I know that these folks paid so much, but. Look what interest rates have done since then. So back then, in the spring, that was before interest rates went up. Their interest rate is in the threes. So if they bought the same house now, granted they wouldn't have to go 110000 above ask, but if you did the math, the higher interest rates would result in much higher payments even if you backed out the 110. Two things. One, the possible pitfalls that arise for buyers and how terms of the deal can come to the rescue. But to sort of wrap this up for our listeners, do you want to give what the sort of lesson of this tale was? A couple of things I was thinking that would really shed some light on what happened and how this can impact you, the buyer. So they did an inspection for informational purposes only. And fortunately, nothing significant came out where they wanted to back away. Now, you could still back away and you'd lose your $1,000 deposit. The seller wouldn't be happy. They would probably give you $1,000 back because it's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. But that's not what this family did because they wanted to move forward with the house. That's actually another thing I, I should probably point out that that's another option. If an appraisal doesn't come in and you start to think, well, maybe this isn't the right house for us because of that, you can say that I'm walking away. So that actually would have been another option. Uh, but what these folks had to do is they had to do a rent back for a certain period of time for free. And they didn't want to do that. My buyers thought, you know, we did all of these things, but they had to do the rent back. Mm. And in order to get the house, they had to give the sellers basically whatever they wanted. Mm. And it was frustrating, but but they had to do it. So there's different ways you can sweeten the deal. And you probably don't have to do that these days in terms of a rent back, but you can prove an offer in terms of dates. So I'll advise my buyers, tighten up the dates. Don't have 14 days for inspection and 21 days for purchase and sale. If you Tighten up the dates. The sooner you make those dates, the more confidence the seller is going to have and the more likely they are to accept your offer over another offer. So for seller, it's, it's terms. It's, it could be dates. It could be that you waived the inspection like they did in this particular case. It could be the rent back. Another thing it could be is that 
you could be thinking about putting 10% down. That may be ideal for you as a buyer. If they can, they should think about putting 20% down or 25% down because they're going to compete against somebody who's going to put a lot more cash down. And the more cash you put down, the better. I had one person who took the third highest offer because they had more confidence in the buyer because they're putting down more cash. Mm -hmm. So terms really make a difference. Mm. Well, a lot of lessons packed into that tale. And as far as you know, your clients are still in that home and happy. They're still in the home. They're happy. You know, I, I stay in touch with my customers and it's not like one deal. See you later. You'll never hear from me again. Mm. I like to stay in touch with people. It's good for business, but it's also the right thing to do. They're happy. And at the end of the day, my job is to get them the house. They got the house and I try to encourage them to be happy. In five years, you're not going to care about some of these things that right. you may care about now. And that's the perspective that you have to give them. So tell people, Mike, before we move on to our final segment here, we are going to do a segment that we called More About Mike, where we can ask him something interesting. But remind people how they can get in touch with you, Mike, learn more about what you do. Sure. So the easiest way to get in touch with me is to call me. 617-759-1513. I will answer the phone pretty much any time unless I'm sleeping, but you know, I'm always available and I enjoy talking about real estate, which I'm sure people can tell. I sure. have energy and it's not just a cup of coffee. <laughs> I have energy, I have enthusiasm. And sometimes I'll talk to somebody for a half an hour, an hour about real estate and maybe they're gonna do a transaction and maybe not. But feel free to give me a call and we can just chat and see where it goes. If people want to ask a, a question for the podcast, is there a place where they can email you? Absolutely. Or, so they can send me an email to mike.freeman at nemoves.com. That's mike.freeman at nemoves.com. Very good. Well, now we are up to one of my favorite parts of the show, more about Mike, where we throw a question at him that could be about anything, probably not about real estate. And he hasn't heard this question before, so it's actually kind of an easy question, I'll, I'll be honest. But it's January, and people like to do New Year's resolutions. Do you have any this year, Mike? I don't. I, I usually, you know, I feel like you live your life a certain, it's like a too philosophical, but right. I feel like you live your life a certain, a certain way, and at any point in the year, there may be something that you want to improve. So I don't really have specific resolutions other than just... Keep doing more real estate. You anticipated my follow-up, and that is that do you, at the end of the year, at least sort of reflect? I think whether we do it intentionally, I mean, I'm not the kind of guy that kind of looks back on, let's let's uh, review what I've learned over the past year. But it's human nature to do so, I think, when you see the ball drop. So what do you look forward to professionally this year that might be a little different than last year? What we focus on is what we call gross commission income. I have a new goal that I've set for 2023, and I hope to blow that out of the water. Well, very cool. Good goal to have. And another year coming up with more and more people getting your good advice. A terrific episode as usual, Mike. We remind you, if you like this podcast, and we're sure you do, please follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pod. Once again, if you want to submit a question for more about Mike or anything about real estate, send him an email, mike.freeman at anymoves.com. Did I get that right? You did. All right. Excellent. So, Mike, is there a website people can go to learn more about you and what you do? 
absolutely encourage people to go there. MikeFreemanHomes.com. And Mike, I'm excited. Next episode coming up in a couple weeks. And I'm not going to tell you what it's about. You'll have to tune in. Mike, great job. Thanks, Dave. This was a lot of fun. All right. We'll see you next time on Freeman on Real Estate. <laughs>